3: Guest about, done, we'll specialist guests telling us things we don't know about. Telling us things we have never done. Things we have never seen and will never do. There specialist guests telling us things we don't know about. Telling us things we have never done. Things we have never seen and will never do. Specialist guests telling us things we don't know about. We have never seen and we'll never do Your life's been weird I've never done that and I never will do Your life's been strange I wanna hear it from the horse's mouth Your life's been queer I wanna do those things but I never will do them Your life's bizarre Talk to me, talk to me now there are specialist guests telling us things we don't know about telling us things we have never done things we have never seen and will never do there specialist guests telling us things we don't know about telling us things we have never done things we have never seen and will never do
0: Again, I'm I'm imagining this being annoying now as a listener. Oh, they're nervous again.
2: Well, there's nothing we can do about it. can't say, (laughs) absolutely no problem. Don't listen there. Oh, no, don't say that because that's annoying. Because we would say, don't listen. Let's try to say something uncliched for the next minute. Well, I'm nervous. What am I nervous about? I know deep down. It's because I don't want to be caught out as thick. Whatever layers, there's layers on top of that. But I don't want to be... I don't want to say something stupid and then know that for the rest of time...
0: This guest way... thinks you're thick.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: That,
2: that is... that. That's wrapped up in lots of different things like...
0: Yeah.
2: You know, don't say something silly or, or whatever or... But essentially, it's that.
0: Yeah. Today we're talking to John Lloyd, who's a, uh, producer of um, Blackadder, Spitting Image, QI, QI, not the Nine O'Clock News, and Hitchhiker's Guide. Did he writes it with Doug? I don't know.
2: Yeah, he wrote some of it. I think.
0: And the Do you know the meaning of Lift book?
2: Yes, it's the. Um, I mean, another, another Douglas Adams book.
0: I think they wrote it together. Mm. Nervous, been uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, see that I was like, <laughs> if he was here now, he would have gone thicky. <laughs> Why can't you retain information? Yeah, but if someone,
0: if if you went on a podcast and they were going, was that episode three of the Cockfields when. Uh, no, I'm not sure it was actually, You wouldn't be sitting there going thickies. They don't know my work. Th- maybe you would.
2: No, no. I think I think it's because in that moment I was thinking. Because cause he's very bright, and I imagine he retains information, and I've just thought he might think like he will never it. forget that we're thickies. There's sometimes I don't mind people thinking I'm thick because I'm sort of confident in the situation, you know. Okay, oh well, I, but then I think sometimes when it spears a bit of truth, like I do feel thick around some people. <laughs> And this is someone undoubtedly I will feel thick around. So I desp. but sometimes when you don't feel thick about something, if you come across as thick, you can kind of build yourself back up with him, I will crumble. That's that's the <laughs> poor
0: bloke. <laughs> He's just taking an hour out of his and day. I know,
2: and I also thought, is my answer fucking point too long? And like, who cares what you think about it, Joe? Don't know, fucking
0: Well, Ill. swearing I- a lot,
2: don't want to swear.
0: Blackadder, honestly, I remember sitting in school and it being, I think it was on on a Thursday, and being so excited that it was a Thursday because Blackadder was on.
2: Yeah.
0: And yeah, I, mean, I, I remember hearing my sister laugh at Blackadder 2 through the walls, and I was a little bit too young to watch it. Because it was on about 9, 9.30. I was that what
2: that was about was... Eight, eight, mid-80s, so about yeah. 10, 11, 12, 13 sort of age, weren't right? they? I mean, yeah, I think that I was like... about
0: 10. Nine, ten, I think, don't know. <laughs> but.
2: And one of those things you watch again and it doesn't date, you just go, fuck
0: it. No, I just now. watched some then. Just brilliant.
2: See, that made me go, why wouldn't I have done that? Now, Dave, David's got a little bit of, I don't know, just through well, my head, I was like, <laughs> I want to be really prepared for this because that's a safety net for me. Okay. Well, it's a way of covering thickiness.
0: I don't feel, I don't want to do all that background because I just want to tell him how much I love him, give him a kiss. Can we not do that too much? (laughs) Because
2: vicariously that will affect me. (laughs) I I can't help it. He's a bit of a hero. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. God, let's not bicker before he comes on. Do
0: you know what I thought? I saw that he, he created a show with Bill Bailey, I think.
2: I ah, like, the oh, Museum of Curiosity.
0: Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, so Bill Bailey's comf- confident in his company. And <laughs> What's that got to do with you? I want to be Bill <laughs> Bailey for an hour.
2: And be confident in his... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in his company. <laughs> so you could also be his wife. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm sure she's confident in his company. I'd love to be his wife.
0: His neighbour, his neighbour. I was, neighbor, I was, Amanda Inucci was like, God, if I was just your wife, we'd just be chatting. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> You'd also had some kids with him. <laughs> You'd have given birth oh, to Phil his faint. children.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. They don't look at look at John Lloyd or they go, Oh, John Lloyd, this John Lloyd, that's very John Lloyd. <laughs> oh, he's arriving. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. Hello. Hi, guys. Hello,
1: John Lloyd. Hello, John Lloyd. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? You're very uh, beardy.
2: Yeah, sorry. I can shave it.
1: No, I used to have a beard. My wife loved it, actually, but I just got fed up with it. So, oh.
0: John, I was just imagining being your wife
2: just before you came on.
0: <laughs> I'm willing to give it a try, Dave.
2: <laughs> well, like a it's... probation week. Yeah,
0: yeah. We were um, we were just talking about. Thanks for coming on, by the way. it's yeah, it was you. a pleasure. Thank you. We were talking. We're really nervous. He's so nervous.
2: <laughs> Why? And we can't. St- we're we're going to stop grinning in a minute. Sorry. Shall we just? I say don't, right, firstly, I
0: don't want you to feel uncomfortable at all in the next hour. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: so
2: please so, feel uh, that you can leave at any point. <laughs>
1: Um, so how's it going? How's the podcast going? Are you getting traction? You're on cast, I see.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah, our, we're, surprisingly. We're, yeah, we can't work out why. We're
1: getting away with murder. I think it's usually, the good ones are usually a perfect expression of who you are. And I, I mean, if if you are pathetic. pathetic.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: well, this is a perfect example of us. Not really knowing what to say. Yeah. And giggling.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's kind yeah. of it. <laughs>
2: Yeah. We, we we were just discussing at how nervous we were about meeting you. And then David said, I'm sure John's wife's very calm around him. And then said, started talking about how he imagined being your wife as a way of calming us both down. Yeah. Uh, is that a good way to start a podcast? Well, <laughs> to be honest,
1: Joe, I'm looking forward to something totally vacuous. I, I tend to get asked, you know, for, oh, oh, well, we, start, we haven't started yet. we? Unfortunately, this is... we
2: have yeah. This is it. Unfortunately. Oh, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Steady.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might be saying that a few times in the interview. Is this it? Yeah. Um, we we've made a list of questions because when we're nervous, we 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 do that to calm ourselves down. Right. So, oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shall I just read the first two bits? Yeah, go on. Can we ask you loads of questions about Blackadder without you hating us?
1: Uh, i'm happy to talk about it so long ago it feels like it happened to somebody else you know so really yeah yeah and i was doing a podcast with tony robinson who's obviously an old friend and he started talking about what it was like for him and i i reverted to being a kind of really stressed out 30 something you know How, how hard it was you know it was very very difficult
0: that was one of the questions what was was it fun or was it just stressful
1: well it was both like i think like a lot of things i mean so veering quickly into philosophy, which I can't help doing because it's what it's what uh, it's what I find interesting. Really, meaning, and um, uh, I I think that if it's not hard, you're probably not doing the right thing. You know, I don't know. Yeah. He said, "If you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room." I think that's right. a really great line, and yeah. I think that if it's not difficult, it's probably not going to be. I mean, like you're nervous, you know, I can't
0: imagine why. But um, but surely you must, because do you not look back and go, I'm John Lloyd, I've made these <laughs> shows, I feel
1: wonderful. Secretly?
3: <laughs> surely there's a little bit of no, In really? the shower? No,
1: not at all. In the shower? Really? Well, the, the, thing is, the thing is, David, that I had this, as I'm sure, if you've done any research at all, you'll know this, but I had the massive midlife crisis in my early 40s. I wanted to talk to you about that which was very difficult. Yeah. And yeah. I couldn't really understand what had happened because I was a perfectly normal, you know, ambitious person who went to award ceremonies and hoped to win the prize. You know, that's what... And 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 when I kind of completely lost the plot, I went into my office at home, which was literally covered with awards. There, there were no pictures. There was just awards. All it used to matter to me, that kind of stuff. And over the next 10 years, I sort of sort of re sort of, I don't know, sort of put the Lego together in a different order really and um, now I went to an awards uh, about a week ago it's, I've got complete equanimity about them, if we win that's great if we don't win that's great too, it's like mm. um, my friends, it's fine
3: mm.
1: uh, of, you know, what's important and, uh, and but no and I don't, I think that I certainly don't think I've ever really had an ego at work in the sense of, you know, it, I'm the boss kind of thing. I'm trying to do something properly. That's, that's, what, that's what gets me up of a morning, is trying to do something properly, doing it yeah. well, yeah. quality. And that, I think, it's probably the first original thought I had when I was, again, in my early 30s. I thought being successful and being good are not the same thing necessarily. Mm. You can be successful without actually delivering quality and you can be immensely talented and never come to public notice at all. You know, Van Gogh, for example. Mm. So the thing is, and I don't understand actually how people get to my age without having a working philosophy of life of seeing how it all fits together and what things matter. What's really important, what doesn't really matter. So the the thing about fame and power and money, success, all those things, they're all a drug. And the more you have them, the more you need. Mm. You know? And you want to cleave to things that, that equality is not something you need. You know, if you've done something really well, you don't crave to do more of it. It's just that's a, a done thing. Or friendships, another thing. Friendships, even, you know, if you've got... Three really good friends. You know, I've got to have more of these friends. I need more. I need yeah. thousands. And that's what's so weird about people with, you know, eleven million followers on Instagram or whatever is like, that's not friendship, mate. That's just it's just a badge of egotism, isn't it? Mm. Really. So look, mm. look, look! How much more important I am than the next guy? You know?
0: Yeah. Mm. I um, this year. No, where are we? Last year, I made a film, and um, it went down all right. And after all the promotion, I had this huge dip. Yeah. And I thought about you having heard you being interviewed, and I lost my dad last year. Oh, I'm so sorry. And so I, I've had sort of four, five, six months where I've really questioned, why would I do it all again? And it felt like part of it was to do it for him. Yeah. And then and part of it was that thing of I've achieved that, and you get to the top of a mountain, and you go, oh, it's meaningless. Well, that's, this, is, this is the thing,
1: David. Yeah. Very good story about Steve Redgrave, who won the gold Olympic rowing medal four times. So that's over, what is that, 16 years. The first time, you know, he was high for, you know, a month. I won a gold medal, I've, my life's ambition. The second time, it lasts about a week. The third time, you know, a couple of hours. And the last time, as he was crossing the line, he think, what am I doing this for? This is just, wow. it's completely crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's I say, it's a thing that doesn't deliver. And that was what what I was on the drug of being successful. You know, it's like, i won a lot of prizes, as, as I've said, and, and I've done a lot of things and it mattered to me. This is I, that was my validation. I'm really good at what I do. And people know that. And now now I just don't, I just, I, I, this may sound pious to you and a bit creepy, but it's not something I value. What I think is I try to be grateful i'm very grateful for the working life i've had it was often, often extremely difficult but it's great that one had the gumption to get through it and not give up you know not quit i think that's mm-hmm. very important not to give up and it's it's also very difficult in life to know li- life being a series of peculiar paradoxes you you need somehow to work out which are the things that where the universe is deliberately making things difficult and your job is to get through the difficulty and get to the other side and leave something behind that was worth doing. And which are the things where you're wasting your, your life, you know, there's mm. no point banging on about this It's never going to be any good. And the people you're working with are not the, the right people to be with and so forth. So working that as difficult.
0: Yeah. I, I, found it quite tricky thinking cause I've started a new idea. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, should I be doing this? Am I doing this just cause I want another pat on the back again? Yeah, it's really difficult to know if you're going down the right path, or should yeah. I be upstairs with my family? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Well, you know, it's it, uh, but it's like equanimity
1: is the thing that is the uh, that's mm. the the thing one's aiming for. You know, it just is. You know, they say in Zen, before enlightenment, chop wood and carry water; after enlightenment, chop wood and carry water. It's like uh, you know, it's just turn up, isn't it? Turn up yeah. and do the right thing. There's nothing else to say, really. That, that's all that yeah. matters. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know. I don't know if you know. I'm the only member of the Church of Agnosticism. Do you know that? No. <laughs> so I've forgotten. There's only five commandments. So it's twice as easy as Christianity. Um, I'm trying to see what they are. So it, it's, they are no fear, be kind do what you know to be right try not to be an asshole and cheer up for god's sake yeah now you can sign up to that i can sign you two up because you're cheering oh, I'd, love you to. I'd
0: love to be part of it. <laughs>
1: it's, it's like yeah. it's the, these are the things you know i've spent 20 odd years doing qi research which is what i do in my spare time for fun is it was it qi that got you out of that did you no, say it's got you out oh, no right. no it was I mean, what got me out was, was trying to, thinking for myself for the first time. So I didn't do therapy or anything. Well, I did see a guy for six months, but long after the crisis was over. But what it was, there were three things, really. Well, I was a dad, so you can't fuck around with that. You know, you, you, have, to, you have to turn up. You've got to yeah. you know, put food on the table. So I, I functioned. I was shooting ads, I was making enough money to not have to worry about it. So your kids teach you a lot. But essentially, the kind of depression I had is a kind of, it's self-pity, essentially. It's rather mm-hmm. pathetic. It's just feeling sorry for yourself. Why is my life so lousy? And turning those things, you know, over 10 years, you get a little insight. You think, well, compared to who is your life so terrible? This is a ridiculous, uh, it's a, you're a total poser here. You've got a mm-hmm. house got cottage well nice flat cottage in the country three great kids you're married to somebody you really like well what what is your problem
0: you know you're on a good podcast what you're on a cracking podcast
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> this may change
2: everything you might back into the stratosphere
1: yeah. yeah but so you know the thing is piece by piece if you are it's my opinion that if you're really determined to know what the meaning of life is and how to live an optimal life, it'll take you about three years, and you will suffer grievously. You will go to some very dark places, and you'll be frightened. But you will also have insight. The that you'll get the gift of insight, which comes from the sky. So, three years, you'll find out what you're supposed to do, and the rest of your life is trying to carry out those things. They're a lot more difficult, and there's a thing you know. It's one of the things one gets interested in these crises is, what is religion about? What does it mean? What is it? Why are there so many of them? Why do they disagree with each other? What's that all about? And one of the things I think is really interesting about religion is the concept of sin. What's that? And the peculiar thing about sin is that the sins all come upon you unbidden, don't they? They they get you in their grip. Anger, greed, jealousy, they come swooping at you like a sort of a raptor, and they grip you, and then you're in this, you're locked in this embrace of this thing. You can't help yourself. You can't help yourself eating another pie, or um, you know, or lusting after someone, that kind of thing. But the virtues, they're not like that. They all take effort. Kindness, patience, bravery. These mm. things you really have to work at. Now, why is that? What is that? Who made this thing? I find that very interesting and so the yep. weird thing about uh, good behavior is the better behaved you are the nicer your life is which is a very well-kept secret you know yeah so one of the things that makes my life a joy and one of the reasons i'm doing this is i love talking to people i love just the raw thing of talking to somebody you don't know as i told a bloke last night in the groucho right? right we've went out for a cigarette on the balcony. And there's a bloke sitting, big burly bloke there. I said, what, you, what kind of thing do you do? He said, uh, I'm a cook. I said, interesting. He said, yeah, I, was, I used to work in the city. I was a trader. And they used to call me Tim Two Lunches. And because uh, I, I love food. He said, and now I basically sell the best ham in the country. And I thought, this is, this is such a yeah. joy. It's yeah, such yeah. a joy. Yeah. You're in there. There's a person you've never met before that you, most people wouldn't talk to them because they don't know them. There's no reason to talk to them. Uh, and you have suddenly, you're swapping cards and you think, whoa, and he's recommending the best restaurants in London that I'd never heard of. And mm. you, know, you think this, is, this you. is the beginning of something absolutely fabulous. And, it, yeah. and I spent an hour talking to this bloke. It was really good fun. Yeah, That is a thing. It's one of the things that QI teaches you Without exception, there is more to everything than meets the eye. The way a person seems and the way they are are completely different. And you're missing a lot if you don't engage and talk to everybody and think the best of them, too. Because the more you think the best of people, blow me down. That's how they behave. Mm. If somebody starts mouthing off about immigration or something in a cab and you go, well, that's a racist point of view, isn't it? then you you suddenly you're at war you know and everybody's miserable by the end of it everyone's angry and discomforted if you just get through that and you find yourself talking about rugby and you find that both your oldest sons are great rugby players and you suddenly you're into that then you find the person that the person the bit of the person that they like about themselves the bit their mm. friends like as a you know jimmy's a decent bloke you know yeah Bit, bit of a fascist, but he's a you know, <laughs> fine man. Yeah, that Joe Stalin. You know, lovely <laughs> sense of humour. Yeah, yeah,
2: loved his hand So we have a moment <laughs>
1: of reality. That's so good. I'm, I'm pleased we went. Anyway, so it's th- these are the things that interest me. And I say that the the my attitude to things like Blackadder like is just gratitude. That's the thing. I'm, you know, I'm being very lucky in the sense that I've worked with some really terrifically good people. And My job in life is to help those people who are already naturally good be as good as they can possibly be.
0: That's and it's that was one of our questions. It was, mm. were you aware of how special that group was at the time? Do you look back and go, yeah, yeah at, at the, the time, or yeah. what? Say Blackadder or what? All
1: of them. Well, Blackadder.
2: Well, yeah, we. But it's the, the thing.
1: Blackadder. It's a bit like if you go out into the world and you're cheerful all the time i meet cheer, you know like you do. I, I meet cheerful people and the other thing is i discover things about them that the cheerfulness is just a you know it's a suit of armor isn't it you're not really what you are is you know there's anxiety and there's fear and and uh bloody right all that you know that you see you see again you see inside the person a bit more and um and now i've completely forgotten yeah how the the thing is you create if you set very high standards first of all it's very annoying and you get you're roundly hated by everybody because first of all you've got an idea that is obviously not going to work Spitting image is obviously not it's a terrible idea it's too difficult it's too expensive we don't know what we're doing nobody's ever made a puppet before this is madness you keep going and piece by piece you get a little treat and then that that starts to work and this starts to work and then suddenly even in a team where some of the people are very good naturally and very hardworking and nice to be with, and some of them are a bit lazy yeah, or uh, they want to clock off at four, you know. The funny thing is if you set, if you create by hard work and leading by example, you create an environment where we're doing a thing here, guys, which is world-class good, and you're part of it the people who are lazy and greedy and you know don't get it suddenly they become part of the firm it's the most peculiar thing and people discover the thing that virtuous behavior is of itself rewarding so Mm -hmm. the people who were once lazy and clocked on before suddenly discovered they're up till three in the morning but my god is the production team pleased with the two guys in sound who are just look what they've done they have made spitting image come alive Mm -hmm yeah because the sound effects in many ways are one of the most important things it's counterintuitive isn't it the sound effects with the puppet show are incredibly important because otherwise right. they, don't, they don't seem three-dimensional
2: yeah right I never thought about that yeah, yeah.
1: and and you know there's a there's a famous story about spitting image which again which is hell on wheels to make but so exciting when it started to work and when did it start to work you mean when the the audience went for it or before uh it started well i always thought it was really special right from the yeah. beginning but you, you can see it, it it was clumsy we didn't really know how to operate the puppets <laughs> we couldn't work out should the puppeteers do the voices themselves or should we soundtrack it and then mime to it all those you know and the the schedule if you've got let's think when we started we had only 90 puppets. You think 90 is a lot of puppets, but it doesn't cover the bases. Once you've got, you know, 12 people in the royal family and 20 people in the right. cabinet, 90, you know, you, you don't have everybody. But with 90 puppets and, you know, a team of, let's say, half a dozen, eight puppeteers working out who does which arm, who does the eyes, who does the voice, just the scheduling it's a blooming nightmare to work it does out. Does sound
2: like a terrible idea, on paper. You know, sit so on paper, you go, yeah. It's still sounding like a terrible
1: idea. I spent a year begging Roger and Peter to fire me. I said, please let me. <laughs> this. I'm sorry, I came. I'm sorry. His
2: hand goes I- <laughs> wet. <when? laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway, so uh, in the counterintuitive thing, you wouldn't think sound effects are important on a puppet show because obviously no, the puppets fine. are everything. And the reviews always used to say the puppets are brilliant, but the script is shit. The script is so bad, murmur, murmur. So, well, I was a very successful radio producer when I was young and I know what a good comedy script looks like and they were among the best comedy scripts as a radio show I've ever seen. They were fantastic. Who wrote them? Well, the core team was uh, Ian Hislop and Nick Newman, Ian, obviously now editor of Private Eye. He got the editorship actually when he was working with us and Nick Newman, brilliant cartoonist and Rob Grant and Doug Naylor who invented Red Dwarf. right. Uh, so that those four were the sort of script editing team and then there were lots and lots of other people who wrote mm. famous one-offs and things we had all these reviews and i got a letter from a woman and it said um she said i don't understand i hear all these people saying the scripts are no good on spitting image i think they're absolutely hilarious she said, but I can't judge how good the puppets are because I'm blind. Agreed. Oh, really? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Because you can't see the puppets. You think, this is a properly good script. Yeah. But the yeah. puppets are so in your face and, you know, so grotesque right. and so alarming. That's all you can <sighs> think about. Yeah.
2: How weird.
1: Yeah. How big were they? Were they just, these. Uh, that's the other thing. I once wanted to write a book about when you tell somebody, somebody asks you, what do you do? And you say, blank. The second question is always the same one. I try oh, to try to book big, what those second questions are. And that was always the one people said. Well, how big? What do you do? I produce spitting image. How big are the... People? <laughs> <laughs> they oh, always, oh. always said that. So well, I've got a friend, for example, who's a weaver, right? And she says, the first question is, what do you do? I'm a weaver. And the second question is always, ah,
0: the warp and the weft. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> That's all they know about weaving. That's what they always say. Yeah. Oh, I'm really gutted to ask that question. How How small I'm, are hope, they? I'm
2: hoping, hoping my <laughs> my puppet question about isn't? But, well, uh, the answer cliche. I can
0: tell you though you, because
1: it is yeah. an interesting question. They fifteen foot. most of them were about life size, okay sort of head slightly bigger than yeah bigger than a human being. and so you could use the reason for that is you could use uh, ADAPT. Costumes
0: from ordinary clothes—you'd have to
1: make oh, them you know,
2: special. Yeah, if they had to pick up a phone or whatever, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the props was it,
0: would be. Was it that, or did they have legs? I can't remember if they had legs.
2: They, did just
1: legs. they some they could. They sometimes they did the stage right. show which is on in Birmingham at the moment. They all have legs because but right. we worked out how to do that because they dance things. And then the other thing was that uh, we. So when we, as I said, we had ninety puppets to start with, and we couldn't afford to build any more because of the budget. So we had to make a guess as who was going to be in the news most so obviously the royal family mrs thatcher the pope all that kind of stuff we knew we had those and then after that you think okay we like some more puppets but we're going to build some tiny cheap ones so that they won't we don't think they're really going to be that famous and we had in the first couple of shows a thing called the jet set which we built a little mini uh aeroplane cabin with seats in it and we had
2: oh I remember I think there's about yeah. 15
1: yeah. 16 yeah. little puppets and it's and just they next to each taunting, other and they would bounce yeah. and they were they were like much smaller like the they're, size, Yeah they're just uh, from
2: neck up weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah basically
1: yeah. And they didn't have proper hands or, or two big yeah. suits all those guys especially made. So and one of those people was David Steele because we thought that David Owen was going to be somebody and David Steele probably wouldn't you know make get so much traction. So when the writers wrote that famous sketch about the two Davids, you've got a very tall David Owen and a tiny little David (laughs) (laughs) Steele. Oh, David, I so admire you. Uh, (laughs) There was a complete accident. Wonderful luck.
2: And that was to say, that was a budget, all for budget. Yeah, yeah. I love little things. Like
1: they that. were made of a different latex because they didn't have to be, they didn't have to stand very close examination, you know, so much cheap didn't have eyes that moved and that kind of thing.
2: I think that's the stuff we love, isn't it? Like the behind, what what don't we know oh. about these shows? We're always obsessed with like the little sort of, well, we're sort of obsessed with things like sets and props and all that kind of stuff. We we, we want, always want to know, like imagine being walked around the set or the, what you know, if we were, were one of David's and asked questions was, if we were, if we were watching a Adder recording, what would we see? Because we, we were too young to be sat in the audience and watching. Yeah, the what behind. would we have seen over those three ha- hours? If we were to come through the door, sat down, we'd been waiting there with their suites, so what would happen next?
0: How many, set, how many sets were there? Was it f- well, just to
1: go back to spitting in for a moment, the interesting thing about those sets is they were all built about three feet off the ground.
2: Oh, because right. you had to be underneath. Them. Yeah, because yeah. you're standing right. up
1: with your, your arm up. Yeah. So in order for the f- furniture and stuff to be the right height, it was all floating in the air. Oh, yeah. Um, but Blackadder... A... <laughs> How long was a recording of one episode? About two hours, all. Oh,
0: I can't get that's, my head around qu- in two that's hours.
1: Quick.
2: That's quick for a studio, isn't it? That's really quick for a studio.
1: No, normal. That's normal.
0: Is it? Yeah. It's, a, you know, start at eight, finish at ten, pull the plugs at ten, that kind of thing. I can't believe in two hours all that material and all that magic was captured. Yeah, um, no, it's
1: an I art. Just, I mean, doing a, oh. shooting a sitcom, well, it's usually three or four sets across the front. Is it? Without oh. the fourth wall.
0: Yeah.
1: And they're in a line, so you shoot one in here, and then the cameras all move. A little tiny recording break. Yeah. As short as possible. And then sometimes a bit of film or whatever. But because Blackadder was cancelled after the first series because it was too expensive for the ratings we got, we had this terrible weekend. We cut every bit of film out, every prop, every horse, every dog, every suit of armour, and just so that's why you got that, yeah, that look to it, which is very sparse. You know, the Queen, the Queen of England, doesn't appear to have any staff. She's yeah. just got her nursery. Yeah, pictures on the wall. You know, yeah, <laughs> only one chair. It,
2: that's the that's the reality you created, and we went, yep, yeah, fine, happy. Yeah, you time. believe it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So, f- black and a forward I mean trenches, their little yeah. Well, you can see yeah oh, the
1: yeah. The, uh, the
2: outside walkway bit. You know the yeah. trench. Yes, yeah.
1: the outside of the trench, the 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 dugout, and then Melton's yeah. headquarters probably. Oh, and then you know that's then sometimes you'd have to put perhaps another one around the back if there was something special to do, or you might have to do a pre-record for something. But but basically, it's a very. I mean, sitcom is a very hard form to make work but once you've got it it's actually a couple of years ago i went to see saturday night live in new york which is an amazing privilege and that is even more astonishing because there's like there's one set area and uh the whole thing's live so they shoot that the sketch and then there's something else like they go to a stand-up or something like that and the whole thing is moved in front of your eyes and a totally new set arrives it's the most impressive thing
2: yeah it sounds like the 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 writers on it have such a hard time. They they have like a shelf life for about two years, don't they? Because from the start, the show ending, they have a day off and then it's creating the whole thing in five days or something, isn't it? Five yeah. or six days. And it sounds... I mean, Law
1: Michaels is a card-carrying genius, in my opinion. It's, a, it's mm. an extraordinary thing to see it. It was really, really good fun.
2: Who was hosting when you saw...
1: It was uh, Phoebe waller who was also... What, obsessed, was it? Yeah, and um, the, the rock star um you know taylor what's her name taylor, taylor swift S- yeah taylor swift
2: god joe that was bang bang in there yeah the least intelligent bit of this whole conversation i named
0: <laughs> 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 john you never went over and saw the cheers set did you never no. saw that no i always wondered what that looked like because it looks incredible on tv i didn't i tell you well i was shooting an ad for i think of
1: some bizarre thing something like Weetabix. i think it was in new york in Silvercup Studios, and there was a pilot being made in the next studio called The Sopranos. I thought that's a shit name. That's never going to amount to anything. Wow!
2: They'll know your stuff. So, uh, <laughs> <Robin, laughs> can be. Yeah. Um, wow. I'm slightly obsessed with. you know the footage that is on the internet of the black you and the blackadder team rehearsing uh, from years ago? I can't remember what series it was.
1: Oh yeah, that's a brilliant clip. Yeah, Yeah, it's like a writing session,
2: isn't it? Yeah. But it's it's
1: just that's normal rehearsal. A lot of the rehearsal was spent trying to get the scripts to be funnier and order to get the plot to work better and so on. It was
2: I just want to know about what that that when I watched that, I was uh, that's when I wanted to be in a time machine and go back and peer through the window. If you would have forgiven me for it. And just go, What what was that like? What was those that rehearsal time with, with those bunch of people, was it? Well, I just want to know all about that. Well, it was very it was very, vague it was very
1: non-standard. To... I've, I went out with a friend of mine who's an actor, actress, you know, just to so you've got the picture. Um, and she was in Only Fools and Horses.
2: Can I ask what? John I...
1: Sullivan, another genius. Uh, but oh, nobody yes. would ever change John's work. It came in and that was, you know, unless he changed it, that was yeah. the Bible. Yeah, poor old Richard Curtis have to sit there with people tearing things apart and thinking funnier vegetables and and all that. But was he, so, all right?
2: Was he all right with that, or was he not? No, right? he was. He was
1: pretty, uh, pretty cross quite often, and and probably quite hurt. You know, because he's very hardworking and he's also a very good bloke, Richard. He's an absolutely top man. And was Ben Elton not in that at the time? Ben, not- ben would always go off to Australia and write a novel or whatever. He'd turn in the script, and then you know. Oh. go back to Oz where he lives, lives. Yeah. and
2: Richard, Richard would carry uh, all the
1: weights and, right, then the and he is would is be it, in the room
2: watching his material being yeah. dissected
1: and poor Richard would bring up Ben uh, you know because of time difference bring him up after work and go oh you know, we had such a terrible day today they completely ruined this one and then when Ben would come and see it on air he'd say well it doesn't seem to change anything Dick You know, I've still got the slug balancer in there.
2: uh, (laughs) (laughs) That was actually
1: a line he used. (laughs) And of course, that's my job as a script editor, Uh. is not to, it's not, I don't have an ego at work, as I say, my job is to say what the writer actually meant, what you've actually written. I know what you mean, but that hasn't what you've said. And so it's to make it look, and I do that to this day. So when the completed script comes in, People read the script that's been heavily edited and they go, I wrote this and I, God, I've forgotten how good it was. This is really good. <laughs> yeah. But if you're yeah. watching the process, of course, it doesn't feel like it at all. It just feels like a, you've got taken a wrecking ball to things. Yeah.
2: And can I ask how, how everyone, was there particular people that would, wouldn't would do that and some that would be straight away in kind of going, can we change this? And was how was everyone in those meetings? Is there...
1: Well, the thing is, what you've got is not just, um, I mean, nearly all the uh, the principals in there are also writers, mm. you know, Stephen Fry and Laurie, obviously, Tony Robinson, um, not. Rowan writes the best thank you letters I've ever read, but that's, that's <laughs> not what he does, he's an interpreter. I'm a writer, you know, uh, Tony, uh, say, uh, who else? I mean, all, all of them, really. And also, they're extremely bright. It's not just that they're funny, these people, but they are some of the brightest people in the country, you look, in that room. I mean, yeah. super clever. God. Um, and so there's a lot of jostling for position, and nobody <laughs> wants to say a rubbish line if the last one has just been really good. Yeah. God, um, stressful. So, so it's quite but do you look
0: back and look at those those bunch of people and go, Blimey, that was a special group of comedians and
1: well they, they are special and they yeah. are still special and they of course have gone on severally to achieve astonishing things. I yeah. mean it really is when you think how successful Richard Curtis is or Rowan, well mm. you know, Ben with his, you know, We Will Rock mm. and, and Stephen with his mythos books and Hugh Hugh Laurie, best paid actor in the world on house in the world on television was he the best what best paid television actor in the world (laughs) so yeah you do but it's what i maintain is i'm a big believer in teamwork you know and the thing is that you when you've got a good team everybody comes up to the standard usually they they realize because one of the strangest things in life to me is how rarely people fulfill their potential You know, somebody said most people die with their music still uh, locked up inside them. I think that's true, is that when you watch little children, Mm. you know, you go to a supermarket and you watch, you know, somebody from the bottom of the social heap and their kids. The adults often look really out of condition, don't they? They can look like a bit of a wreck. They look older than they actually are. But the kids... You know a little four year old is perfect, mm-hmm. so I always think it's like the metaphor of an olive tree. You look at a olive trees are amazingly gnarled, aren't they? they're just like like they're tortured, but the olives on every one perfect, yeah they all start, so the potential of everybody is amazing and then if you've got a, a bunch of good people and you create a sort of set of standard, everybody comes up to that standard, and they think, "I can do this, yeah, yeah it was the same with not the nine o'clock news an awful lot of people who worked on it as even things like didn't have runners in those days but assistant floor managers that kind of thing they all went on to do things because they think well these are they're just like us they're only a
0: couple of years older than us yeah and they've done it yeah and we can do that too so yeah what was a bit of a weird question but I just feel like he's sort of forgotten what was Mel Smith like because I absolutely adored him mm. Well, and you would you would be right. He was a
1: very good friend of mine. He's a Was he? Yeah. He was a great he's a great guy. I mean, really I mean, a prodigiously talented, a massive amount of fun. I mean, really, you know, because you go out in the lash with Mel and you, you would always come off worse. Uh, because he had an extraordinary capacity to ingest <laughs> substances of all kinds, <laughs> oh, he but he just... was very kind. He's a wonderful person to work with because, again, Mel didn't come to work with an ego. He was extremely professional, yeah. very giving, very generous, incredibly smart. Um, he basically taught the rest of us on Not the Nine O'clock News the kind of the style, the way the dialogue went, which is much more like the way we're talking the way mm-hmm. real people talk, in fact, yeah. rather than the formality of, it's a classic sketch show, is what we used to call the knock-knock, come in Perkins sketch, you know. Come in. Ah, oh, Perkins. Now, how long have you been at this zoo? Oh, well, yeah. sir, I've been at the zoo 30 years. <laughs> yeah. And how many penguins have you eaten then that time, Perkins? Yeah. You know, it's like formalistic. Yeah. Whereas the Mel style, like you know, <laughs> yeah. you think of a <laughs> yeah. great sketch like Joel gorilla you know it's two yeah. people obviously in some sexual relationship who are not getting on very well and it sounds <laughs> like they're, they're real it, it's yeah. that's mel's great contribution to to that series
0: i loved his sitcom colin sandwich yeah i don't i don't vhs i played it yeah again and again
1: he felt great. like one of the
2: most naturally funny people on the television like i couldn't take my well, he
1: could, mel was uh, you know it's a thing It's quite unusual. Uh, Mel's equally good at straight, you know, tragedy as he is at, uh, you know, he could do drama really well, be very Mm. scary and frightening. And what was that one he did up in, up north, very tough, gritty drama. But he could be funny or serious. And yeah, he was was a terrific bloke.
0: Yeah. So when when that that time when it hit you Um, with regards to winning awards, did it just come out of the blue, John? Yeah. Did you
1: suddenly go? I, I oh. was, I was fired from a couple of things. Yeah, it wasn't express. It's never expressed as being fired, but people decide that you're surplus to requirements and they don't need your services anymore. They'd probably have all the money themselves or what, whatever whatever the thing is. Um, so I'm pretty unhappy about that. And it's just, I literally woke up. It was on Christmas Eve, 1993, oh. and I was 42. Ironically. Right. And I thought, I can't see the point of this. Yeah. These pieces of paper, these pieces of cardboard behind glass on my wall, is that me? Is that who I am? That's who I am, 50 pieces of cardboard. Pathetic. And I, you know, suddenly nothing seemed to be right. It was horrible. And it took me quite a long while to work out that this this was horrible, but but also ridiculous, because I didn't really have anything to be unhappy about. Yeah. So then i thought about that for a bit and i was saying and then I, you know and you think well you know what what are you struggling who are you trying to prove to what what to who who are you mm. trying to prove something to mm. and you know that it's it's so at the time it was awful but i i've i've never stopped being grateful for it's one of the best things that ever happened to me apart from marrying my wife and my kids it's like, oh, okay, so I've got a whole second half of my life with a different way of relating to everything. Yeah. I don't have to do that. I don't have to prove anything to anybody or myself. As I say, just, you know, get on do things. And the only sad thing is that nowadays, nobody let you make comedy. You <laughs> know, they don't make comedy, really. Have you had ideas turned down?
0: Because you, really? What? I mean, all, virtually but I all. don't understand. I can't get my head around mm. why they just go, just go make it because you... You've got yeah, a good track record no, no no it doesn't work like that it doesn't
1: no but the thing about most of my life has been a failure honestly i know it doesn't look like it because there's what four or five things no because most of the work you do doesn't get to anything you know it doesn't get commissioned or the book doesn't what's the sell. best show
0: you've never made is
1: there one uh, that you questions. think... Great oh.
2: question, David. Do you know what? I'm over the moon? That isn't. I'm jealous to hell. About that question. <laughs> It's not
1: a show, actually. But the, well, the thing that uh, my wife thinks was a, is a great loss to the culture is one of the things that went wrong in 1993 was I spent most of that year trying to start a radio station called Radio Barking, which was going to be the world's first 24-hour comedy radio station. Again, the most terrible idea. the two guys who brought it to me, um Eugene and Gareth, who were called p r men from Birmingham, who I knew well. They said, "We've had this idea. Can we take you out and tell you about it and when I heard it, I said, "That's a completely hopeless idea. I mean, it takes me most of the year to do six half hours of black Anna. what what how the hell is that ever going to work?" Yeah. but we started thinking about it, and I thought, you know there's something in this this is there'd be fun it's different and so I got two of my good friends, Chris Donald from Viz and Douglas Adams, to come and kick program ideas around. And so we did this. We we had a lot of ideas, and we wrote a week's worth of programs and did it. My friend Anthony, my best man, mocked it up as a a double page spread of the Radio Times. And I look at it today, and I still think this would have been huge. It was before radio became famous. You know, Mm -hmm. radio was still in the doldrums before. You know, Virgin and uh, Chris Evans, all those mm. people came along and made it huge again. We raised four million pounds in cash. We had a hundred comedians sign up to it. Um, we did research down in Sunbury on Thames, which said that the the research said that in the first week of broadcast, we would get fifty percent of the radio market in London. It was an FM station for London. Anyway, so I took it. You had to you had to get a license in those days, and I took it to a thing called the Radio Authority, and we had this amazing again. My friend Anthony, who designed all the posters for Cameron Macintosh and uh, Andrew Weber, genius, you know. All he's a, a designer. He'd done this amazing brochure to present our plan, and the bloke I saw from the Radio Authority said this is the best application for a radio station I have ever seen he said but what is the guarantee because you can do this you can run a radio station I said well at least we can do a decent brochure the others can't even do that yeah so I think it has stand a very good chance and he said and the other thing is if this is such a good idea why hasn't it been done before and I said what you mean like the helicopter or the laser he goes ah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think I might see the problem.
1: They didn't give it to us. And that was one of the things that drove me into sort of suicidal depression and rage. You know, I think this is insane. We yeah. worked on this for a year. A hundred comedians, four million pounds, perfect research, really good ideas. Anyway, I put it in a drawer and didn't think about it again. And I found it a couple of years ago. And one of the ideas in it, which I'd totally forgotten about, was called Quite Interesting with Stephen Fry. Um, so I'd had the idea for QI, like that would have been 10 years before we actually. Right. The pilot. It
0: was sitting in the back of my mind, unregarded. Yeah. I was going to ask you this is a beautiful little. Have you got any QI facts, like the weight of a Burt Bee's wing or something? <laughs> can, yeah, have you, you, you got any facts? <laughs>
2: We were going to ask well, what, you to. Do you know one the weight of
1: a bee's wing? <laughs> is that the one you particularly want to know? <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: well it's the one we
2: assumed you'd know. <laughs> we were going to ask you to drop one in it's, every this five is to why ten it's minutes. Future.
1: It's great fun. Passes the time, QR, yeah. but it's pointless because you can never know even the tiniest amount of everything. Not even the tiniest bit. So no. <laughs> on bees, I did see a brilliant thing the other day, which I liked. Oh lovely. A single honey bee has about 850,000 neurons, each able to make 10,000 connections with the others. I mean, that is a B,
0: (laughs) one B. How
2: much are those neutrons away? Neurons. Neurons.
0: Neurons. (laughs) (laughs) They're very long. (laughs) 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 Okay. Damn it. Uh, Milk. I mean, it's just... But it's again,
1: it's one of the things I think... The reason I come on these things, I want to spread the word, because everybody can do this, right? Everybody can learn to have a nicer life that principally in two ways one is by being much being interested in everything particularly people because then you find out that nearly everybody is actually really a really good person inside and the other thing is doing this research for the sake of it for the sake of finding out and then writing down what you find out so this morning i saw this fantastically good article in the guardian by some woman who went to there's a clinic called Paracelsus recovery in Zurich, which is for extremely rich people who've got mental issues, right? right? alcoholism, depression, whatever, addiction. And you go, you have your own house. You have a therapist who lives in the house with you and it costs a hundred thousand pounds a week
0: Oh, how much? Hundred thousand
1: pounds a week, and it's for the super rich to get them better. And it's—it was so interesting. I never had any idea there was such a thing. And they're all over the world apparently. These things now.
2: Wow, I can't get that. I mean.
1: And and it's, of course, the other thing is the great thing about QR research. You want to tell everybody when you find something out. You want to go ah, look. I've just found out. Yeah, yeah. There's a thing. There was the previous entry in my keep a daily record of things I found out. The previous, well, the last one was on. What are we today? Friday. On Wednesday, the standout fact was house prices in London are now nine times average earnings. A ratio that has not been seen. No, this is in the country nine times. Nine times average earnings, 12 times in London. The ratio of nine times average earnings for a house price has not been seen since 1876. So that is how how bad the situation went I mean that's wow. a long time ago yeah
2: desperately trying to think of a fact and I have none Well, <laughs> no,
1: it's like <laughs> always when you try. And think, <laughs> like, when you ask me about you know yeah when you ask me I can't it's like tell me a joke you can't think of
2: one can you no I can't um, think of one anyway even if it's got anything on the tallest man the tallest man <laughs> or height in general let's yeah give you a chance um
1: can't think of anything off imagine
2: someone doing this to me me just fainting i like that
1: you might know no i'm going back to potential the only thing i could think of uh, on height is that joe laurie uh, hugh's wife always says the thing about hugh who's so talented so good looking and so in every way marvelous she said the thing about hugh is he thinks he's a ugly B, talentless, and C, short.
0: See, <laughs> that is hopeless. <laughs> Isn't it? It's hopeless. Oh, do you know what? Even his tweets annoy me. Even his tweets are perfect. When yeah. I see on Twitter, I'm like, God, he's nailed that now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so have
2: you yeah. ever seen him fail at anything? Could you tell us about that?
0: <laughs> well,
1: I mean, Hugh would consider a great deal of his life a failure, I'm sure. Perhaps oh. all little-
2: it's amazing,
1: but I think you know. Again, he likes doing things properly. Hugh is an amazingly good actor, as you know. And when we were doing Blackadder Three, which was his biggest part, in mm. plays the Prince Regent, mm. I said to him on several occasions, "I don't understand Hugh, why you're not famous as a straight actor? You are. You're the real thing. You should be like James Bond, or you should be in some big American drama series." You know? Yeah.
2: When I see him yeah. on those things, I still my brain always goes to him playing the, the football manager teaching the kids how to dive. Oh yeah, because I Fry go, and Laurie? Is that Fry yeah, and Laurie. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, just yeah. you see him do these, and you go, he was the bloke whose head was doing that as he died. It's just so funny, and it's like yeah. can't believe it's the same fellow who's done all this different stuff.
0: I need to know, John, if it mm. was 1986, 5, 7, is there a chance I might have got a casting for Blackadder?
2: Yeah, we're 25 and stunning. <laughs> 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 I,
1: would think, I would think you would have stood a very good chance. Brilliant. That's all I need.
2: <laughs> please, please, can we clip We that? often <laughs> used to give, you know,
1: parts, small parts to friends or, you know, other comics. Yes. Um, you know, just the cast the small- is
2: mad, isn't it? All the people you had in it. Yeah. Bobby Coltrane and... Just come up for one episode you're like
1: what yeah yeah well of course he wasn't i mean robbie was was obviously very successful in things like well what was cracker when did you do that but he wasn't the sort of global superstar that he became with hagrid for example you know no and one of the things that was difficult about Blackadder is because everyone was so good and we made them every two years not every year Each two years, everybody would be more successful outside Blackadder than they had been before. So everybody's ego got larger and people were not used to being told what to do by anybody. And it used to take quite a long time to get people to say, yeah, I know you're being told what to do and you've got to compromise with what you want, but... By the time you had done, like, two or three, you think, oh, I remember why we do this, because these people are the best in the world, and yeah. they're very funny, and actually you can see the thing getting better every day. Yeah. And if one was honest, yeah, it is better than it was on Monday by quite a long way.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, what was it like when someone like Rick Mayle came in and um, goes forth? Because that was like a powerhouse coming in. How was everyone with...
1: Well, he first came in, in this when he was actually played... He was in North. two, wasn't it? Yeah, he was also in the first series playing a guy named oh. Gerald. Yeah, but he the stand up thing was coming in as Flash Heart in the yeah. second series, and he was it was like a whirlwind. It was like oh, his Flash Heart
2: was in I thought yeah. that was in full. Sorry, I
1: thought and two. Well, yeah. he was he played Flash Heart twice, but he oh, was,
2: right, yeah, of course.
0: He sort of stole the
1: series in he a way. totally did. And yeah, the thing is, he had this ludicrous wig made up, which without telling anyone, he got uh, you know, makeup and. Hair to do this incredibly expensive blonde wig with <laughs> seashells woven into it. That great uh, expense, yeah. without telling us our money, but he spent it. <laughs> and he didn't look anything like Rick Mail, which was often the case. But when yeah. he came out in front of the audience, they just howled. They didn't know who he was, but he was so sexy, Rick. Yeah, he, <laughs> he sex on wheels. He, just yeah. <laughs> had- he was in a room and everyone go Whoa, who's he? Yeah. I
2: wonder what that's like.
1: Just another, <laughs> another absolutely extraordinary person and a, and a great friend. That was another terrible thing when he died. That was awful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, and a, such a great actor as well. Very, very good.
0: Can I ask this question, John? Because mm. I don't think you'll mind. What's it like being in your 70s? Because I'm he- heading towards 50 and I yeah. don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I can remember that.
1: It's... I think that that's a hard age. Uh, yeah, um, well, look, I'm, I'm, uh, I am I'm. was <laughs> saying something the other day. I said, I'm actually more content with my lot than I have been at any time in general. I mean, not, obviously, obviously, I had a few good weekends and nice skiing holidays here and there and all that stuff. But as a general thing, I don't think I've been this sort of happy. Happy is not the word, but just... Yeah. Like my life since I was nine. You're So I had a really nice childhood, and then I was sent away to prep school, which is a bit of a shock when you say, You are coming back, aren't you, at some point? And they go, No, darling, we'll see you oh. at 19. So that was when I started to, you know, and then most of the rest of it, although it's been a really interesting, um, it's been up and down like most people. But I'm, yeah. So it's fine, honestly. I, I don't have a a problem with it. And I certainly don't feel nobody, There's a piece in the paper yesterday about this, that nobody feels, when you ask people, most people how they feel they normally say about 20% younger than they actually are. So I don't feel 70. I don't feel when I listen to some of my friends and they go, oh, I've got all these bits falling off and um, I don't know what to do with myself. I don't feel like that at all. I don't feel right. like I, I've... So it's hope for you, David. Thank you. <laughs> so you reckon fifty is a, tr- a tricky time? Though? I found being fifty, yeah, and forty. I didn't enjoy. Really. I hated forty. Yeah, yeah,
2: I didn't like turning forty. Well, yeah,
0: fifty feels chunky.
2: And oh, we chunky. we said about in your forty, like turn forty, it's almost sort of a joke. And then when it keeps going, you're like, oh no, I'm forty-one and forty-two. It's just go. Okay, now it's sinking in. I found like forty-three harder because I've. The joke was over now. I want it to stop.
0: I remember Richard Herring saying, if someone dies in their 50s, they kind of go, Oh, how old was he? Sort of 52. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, happens, <no>. doesn't it? <laughs> I think it was Flaubert Flo- who said,
1: um, age does not matter unless you're a cheese, which I think is a pretty good... Uh, <laughs> right, okay. And I, okay. Don't see, I don't see much correlation in people between uh age and people's let's say open-mindedness or um engagement or you know i think you can be born stiff as it were you can be mm. pompous and you know right wing at 25 and you can yeah. be full of larks and i'm working with a guy at the moment called lawrence myers you won't know who he is i'm sure but legendary guy he um his parents owned a sweet shop in North London somewhere, I think. And his dad said, you've got to get a proper job, Lawrence. And he trained as an accountant, which he didn't find terribly interesting. It was a proper living. And this young uh, musician, this is in the 60s. It might have even been the late 50s. No, the very early 60s. Young musician, singer comes to see him. He says, to do quite well in the music business. But obviously, I don't do this when I'm 60. So I'm looking to. Get a pension plan in place and lawrence said yeah i could do that for you so that was mick jagger <laughs> he was the rolling <laughs> stones first accountant
3: Hasn't so got, into this is yet, more is fun
1: it. than doing accounts <laughs> for small businesses in north london and he joined the music business and he was the guy who signed david bowie i mean what wow so a legend this guy also incredibly nice very funny um, an absolute ball of fire, and 86 years old. I could not believe it when he told me how old he was. And he's got right. his latest hit is going to be Bake Off the Musical, which is coming to the West End shortly. I
2: saw that was a thing. Yeah. Didn't you
1: win
0: Bake Off, Joe?
2: I hardly ever bring it up.
0: <laughs> did you? <laughs> I did. Whoa. What did you win it with? Well, what did you play well, Bake?
2: Well, to be fair, it's not that hard, because I didn't realise that when they, when they do the 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 whatever the telly version you know the celebrity version or whatever they um no one else practices
3: <laughs> so i was
2: did. Di- i diligently practiced for two and a half weeks beforehand and then i turned up and everyone else was like i don't know can i do a lemon cake and i was like if you're not yeah. that's why i won but i don't but yeah i took uh, yeah i thought i should um diligently practice everything that's why i won I leave all that out usually. I
1: just say it's raw no, talent. I, I I, admire, that's one. I, it's all in the prep for me. It's like, hmm. you know, the way comics work is they go and do work in progress. They go to a pub and people hmm. know it's work in progress. They don't expect much, but it's kind of like a privilege to see the workings. And, and they do that 40 times and eventually they get 20 minutes together or an hour or whatever they're doing. I couldn't do that. I'd be too embarrassed. If I'm going to go out on stage I work really, really hard on the writing, and I reckon I'm ninety percent, you know, uh, close to what what'll work. Yeah, I, ca- I can't understand how could, people could do that. Or, I, think
2: and, I, I think there's, I, I'm trying, I'm doing that at the moment, but I have it, I have every every word planned, like down to a T. And then somebody turns up and they go, "I think I want to talk about woodworm for ten minutes and see what happens," and I go, "Are you?" Seems insane. So there's what is this
0: for? What is this for?
2: Stand up, just doing. Stand-up. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People just, you know, and when comedians do that, I feel sick for them. So they just go, I've got two ideas, woodworm and picture framing, and they just talk for that, like 20 minutes mm. and then they get like 30 seconds of it and that's how they write. Mm. I'd throw up in my hands. I'd be like, I'm not doing that. So I sit, yeah. I can't
1: understand why. It just doesn't seem. But maybe it's the, that's the only way that they can access because yeah. nobody knows where ideas come from. It's, you know,
2: some they say it's the pressure of the live audience, like yeah. sort of like the,
1: the things pop out that you yeah, the panic.
2: Like the huge. Some people go. I know some people have said they've got this idea that they write like eighty percent of it, and they think the panic of an audience will give them a punchline. And I'm like that to me just. I'd have to, I'd, I'd rather sit at home for ten weeks and think of it first.
0: What do you? What do you know about ideas, John? You saying that reminded me. Someone told me about David Lynch saying when he writes a film, it's just like a puzzle piece landing in his lap every two days. Oh, <laughs> right. And <laughs> he just waits there for another idea to jump, and they, they sort of fit together. Yeah, where does it come from? Well, it it, sounds it, lovely it, like that. Again, right? this is
1: so we go kind of swerving into sort of heavyweight. Well, I don't think any of my philosophy is heavyweight. I think it. Nothing I've said has been difficult to understand so far, has it? Or um, we're quite quick. No, no, no. <laughs> but I mean, in terms
0: of, <laughs>
2: yeah. I have four GCSEs, John. No, 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 but I mean, the, yeah.
1: the thing is, you know, most philosophy is like impossible to, you know, you try and read Kant or Heidegger or, you know, they're, it's really difficult to work out what they're saying a lot of the time. But my philosophy is pared down to be very simple. Anybody can follow it, you know. If you go out and you be nice to people all the time, they're going to be nearly all the time nice back. There's, it's not hard to follow that, is it? No. Yeah. The people might say, I can't be asked or, I, I just don't feel cheerful. Or I don't, you know, I don't like other people. Yeah, but, but fine. Well, then you won't have such a nice life. But mm. yeah, if you do it, this will work. Mm. Yeah. So it's much more Chinese. It's much more like Taoist philosophy, really. Where, look, Okay, not lecturing anyone, but this is the way. Okay, if you do this, then that will happen. That's, mm. that's, again, very difficult to understand when you first come across it. But then it seems obvious after that. And it's like ideas, isn't it? You know it it's i try not to get annoyed about it but lots of my work people say well it's such an obvious idea qi such an obvious idea well you should have been in the wilderness with me for the first five years when i couldn't persuade anybody it was a good idea you know Mm. or spitting image you know that's like how's this going to work so where ideas come from i think they come from not inside you but from the outside so i thought i would probably like david lynch where i to know him he's a meditator isn't he apart from Mm. my son harry is a songwriter who goes by the name waiting for smith he's very good very good songwriter and harry like any songwriter who can do it won't admit to actually writing the song the songs arrive and they come out through his hands and through his mouth or you know onto the piano or the guitar and then you obviously tidy them up and you sort of think okay i need another hook there but they basically come all of a piece. It's completely different to writing words. Uh, Noel Gallagher on uh, Desert Island Disc said that. There's a little man in the sky with a bucket of songs and he just pours them into the top of my head. Yeah. Elton John says, if I haven't written in 10 minutes, I give up and do, not, right. do something else. I think Neil Young said that as well, something like that. Yeah, yeah most yeah. Sort of, most songwriters do that channeling thing. And yeah. It's like, it's like asking where's the zone that a tennis player or a cricketer gets into where they can't miss or when yeah. I get it with film directing, you suddenly think, my God, it's 10 o'clock at night. I haven't thought about myself for eight hours. Yeah. Uh, you're, so, you're so inside the thing. You sort of are the film, you know. You're, that feels like a moment of just bliss. Yeah. Where you're just, yeah. And so this why well, it is quite religious because that's what I think that zone is an expression of consciousness, which is the only thing that really is. Okay, so the only thing that there is in the universe is not a thing, it's consciousness. And everything that we see and feel is an emanation of consciousness. Now You think this is probably quite weird, and you're now beginning to wish you hadn't asked me along.
0: John, this is why I got
1: you here. And <laughs> <laughs> everybody agrees, smart. don't they? However, the universe began. That- yeah. Essentially, there's a big explosion, essentially. You're probably allowed to call it an explosion, but it expands at a rate of knots. And it starts with gas, doesn't it? And then the gas kind of coagulates, and you get sort of particles, and then suddenly you've got rock. I don't think you'd find any astronomer who disagree with that. That it starts with, you know, fluffy, ethereal stuff and becomes solid. Yeah? Mm-hmm. But if you spool that back from solid to less solid to water to gas to what's before gas energy, okay, and before energy is consciousness. So that's the thing that is. And the thing that is, uh, which isn't a thing, is where ideas come from. And it's also the zone. When you're there, you're part of the one undivided, eternal, essentially benevolent, unopinionated consciousness. That is where you're going. And that is where you're going after you supposedly die. I needed that. that. <laughs> <laughs> so the that. thing is you don't have to, uh, the thing about philosophy, of this of or any kind of philosophy, philosophy doesn't have to be correct. It has to be helpful for the person who has it. And it mm. helps me. Yeah. Because I then think, all right, so, and I haven't taken credit for an idea for, in 25 years, maybe more, 30 years, maybe. You think, well, they're not my ideas. They arrive. And I think, oh, there's one. It's not like I didn't have it. It sort of had me. It's the, again, it's sort of the other way up. Mm. And it's again, it's a bit like when I first had my crisis to discover that I didn't know anything. That was one of the byproducts of it. I don't know anything. I don't know how to do anything except make fucking cheese commercials. That I can do that and nothing else. I'm a lousy dad. I'm a hopeless husband. You know, I don't, I can't do anything. And I don't know anything. I don't even know how to direct people. I've never been taught and I don't know how to speak to an actor. I haven't been trained to do that. I don't know anything about depth of field or filters. This is hopeless. (laughs) To discover that I was actually an ignoramus was horrible for the first three or four years and now it's the most relaxing thing because i know i don't know anything and i know i can't possibly ever know everything so i don't have to beat beat people i don't have to show off i don't have to know if i don't know the weight of a of a bee's wing i'm not ashamed of it i don't feel embarrassed really? Really? No,
3: no, very <laughs>
0: yeah. okay fair enough okay <laughs> i've got one more thing i want to ask <laughs> okay <laughs> just thinking about joe looking at me okay i look away you, when you were talking about being 17 sort of feeling 50 or being yeah. 15 feeling 30 and then your friend being 86 and full of yeah i have started writing music again oh amazing is it well i'd love to do that i can't because think of anything i'd rather do well i it's my it's where i'm happiest So I was writing a song last night. (laughs) I mean, I'm cringing inside here. Should I carry on doing this, John? Or should I just keep it under wraps and be very quiet? (laughs) Because I was doing it feeling really awkward and going, David, you're nearly 50. When was the last time you were writing songs then? Properly. I've never really done it properly, but this is the first time I did it and I thought... I'm getting so much pleasure, and yet at the same, same time, I'm hating it for fear of what
1: others I'll pick
2: think. pick that.
0: <laughs> well,
1: the thing is, that should be one of the commandments of agnosticism is definitely do not, there's a, again, it's a paradox. You should not care what other people think. That's adolescent. It's, it's infantile. It's juvenile. It's a pathetic, and stop it. That's that's one side of the equation. The other side is it's very important to care deeply what everyone else thinks because, you know, you put them first, put yourself last, listen to people, give them the benefit of the doubt. So that, but again, got to know which one's which. But I would definitely say anything, doing anything creative is A, hard. And it's another question is, why is it so hard to do things well? Who's done that? Who made that? You know, animals don't find that difficult you know badger digs a hole that's what they do you know yeah an eagle flies around it's what it does but people find doing things well is very very hard and but also very rewarding and of course i of course i think you should write something i'd like to do that it was partly because not being able to understand Well, i say you, you can understand now harry has access to the the great whatever it is where the songs come from and i i don't um but i have got a few tunes that i'd really like to do and i was playing one the other day we were up in scotland with some friends and one of our friends is a brilliant musician and all his kids his three boys can all they're all musicians so i'm just with my one finger writing this tune which is about my son when he was small it's called oh harry and i'm just do, 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 just playing this tune and matt who's like 25 or something turns up said what's that I said, oh, that's a tune I wrote about Harry when he was very small. He says, oh, give me the piano set," And he starts harmonizing, and suddenly, my God, yeah. it actually sounds like a song. Mm. So I'm definitely going to go and see him in the next couple of weeks and see if we can nail that. I'd love to do that. The idea of writing a song, just one, would be amazing. Yeah. And the chances are very high that if you do, you go through the pain and you do it really well, you might be one of those people. I would say most most of the really famous uh, super hits are one-offs. That's a person who never had another hit. Mm. Just one is that, like, that's somebody who didn't die with their music locked up inside them. That's somebody who expressed it. And once is enough, you know? Mm. Just to write one song would be a wonderful honor and a gift. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely do it.
0: Thank you very much joe thoughts That's, uh, well
1: thoughts
3: your 50 that?
0: minutes is up and that will
2: be, <laughs> that'll be, that'll be right there, Lucky, i don't want to give david my thoughts on it <laughs> i've heard
0: him. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much
2: thank you thank you john thank you for coming so on yeah
0: it's a joy
1: Amazing. i hope you enjoyed it it's been an absolute pleasure david and thank you joe i mean I'm, i can't it's been really good fun and of course i didn't know what was what to expect and you you're you're very seemly and delightful hosts because you allow people just to have the ropes and
0: bl- bumble off in all different directions Ah, oh, well i've heard you being interviewed before i just thought i just want to sit back and let you talk <laughs> so thank you so much and thank you for the tv shows you've made and just amazing thanks guys it's been great and I'm um,
1: congrats on the pod- podcast because it's it's a you know it's great because it's a contribution. That's the thing. You're ameliorating the universe, aren't you? This is what you're doing. You're giving people an enjoyable experience and good for you. I hope they're paying you properly. Do you get
2: a few <laughs> Well, that's... that's Ollie, well, we've got, got you another William hour out. of that, John. <laughs> 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 oh, a very different side of us. <laughs> um. <laughs> Thank you very Thank much, you so John. Much. Pleasure
1: meeting you. Let's go out for a beer sometime. I'd love oh, that. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Thank, Thank you so much. Look after yourself. Cheers, you. John.
2: Cheers. Bye-bye. 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 Bye. Bye. Bye.